Today on In the House, we sit down with Kyle McCollum of McCollum Studio Architects. We talk about Ledgeway Modern, a project recently featured on the AIA tour. We also have an important discussion about his work with the Austin 20. The Austin 20 is a group of community leaders and caring individuals who take action to fight against domestic minor sex trafficking in the city of Austin and the surrounding areas. They provide funding and support for programs associated with all aspects of this crime and those victimized by it. They also provide assistance for victims through recovery, mentoring, and rehabilitation. The Austin 20 supports organizations committed to assisting children victimized by sex trafficking. If you'd like to donate, go to theaustin20.org, click on the link, fill in the amount, and donate today. We hope you like this episode. If you do, share with a friend and give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Welcome to In the House. Today we are speaking with Kyle McCollum of McCollum Studio Architects. Uh, Kyle serves on the board for the A20 nonprofit organization and is a contributing member to the Stand Up 8, uh, a nonprofit that helps find housing solutions for adopted children from broken homes. So, Kyle, it's awesome to have you on. Thank you. So I just want to say right off the bat that I, I do have a slight cough, so I will do <laughs> okay. I, I will do my best to not cough and hack into the microphone for everybody's go. listening. Well, it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. <laughs> um, but, so I kind of want to get into, I just went on the, the home tour, um, and I'm sorry I missed you, but yeah, my, my daughter and I went, and so she was... Yeah, I tried to take a I tried to take a moment myself to get over. It's the it's easily the worst part of the of doing the homes tours. The fact that the very people that you're doing this for, mm-hmm. you've you've actively created a structure that prevents us from enjoying the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. So there's no time set aside for us to actually go on, on that tour to see our com- competitors without just abandoning. Yeah. Just carving it out and say, ah, hell with it. Let me just try to get this thing done like as soon as I can. And I only saw. I didn't see three of the houses, but I managed to... Did you go on Sunday, I take it? I went on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we went uh, went around Saturday, and like I said, it was me and my daughter and a a buddy of mine. And um, yeah, we really enjoyed the house. I mean, especially like as you walk up to it, you know, it's very low, um, you know, very modern. Uh, Well, it's... From the road, it looks like single story, yeah. Right, but as you yeah. as the lot slopes, which I, I see that a lot, and you know, as the lot slopes down from the back, it 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 grows to just two story, right? It's more or less. There's a, yeah. there's a lower mechanical and exercise level, which I was I, I was uh, actually surprised they let us go through the mechanical. I know um, usually they they kind of partition that off so you can't uh-huh. go through there, but. Yeah, they I, did a really good job. I mean, it's really clean. Yeah, and that was one of the important things. I, I spoke with the client a little bit about it. Um, although I think he would probably say, "Do we actually fully come to an agreement there?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when he listens to this, like Jim, I, I, I may have misunderstood, but I thought it was—it's so well done. We have a docent. There's a person down yeah, there. Yeah, so It's not like anybody can really do anything down there, but. That's one of the most important parts of the entire building. Yeah, it's like, should you have feature. to, and because, I mean, you guys know, just kind of being in the industry, it's like the things that people don't really think about, the average person, but you guys are just sitting there, and all the engineers that walk through, they're going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. wonder this is how the thing works. 
Um, it is amazing how much space you have to dedicate, but yeah. but we had it. It was down the hill. It was really not a ton of excavation. That wall, that retaining wall that's kind of on the back side there is doing more retention against fill than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, protecting an open cut there. So, I mean, this is really nicely layered down the site. So we had the space. Um, I wanted the entire level, actually, to a little be, be a little bit more programmatically for the exercise room. But we were able to... Yeah. Um, kind of squeeze it down a little bit for the clients and kind of give them what they want. I, I thought it looked great. And, um, yeah, definitely as a builder, it was nice to be able to walk through there and, yeah. and um, you know, not just to, to critique, but, you know, to look around and see, you know, what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, tip of the hat to Schoberg because I thought they really knocked it out of the park. They did a great job. And you can really tell, you know, if a builder's worth their salt by their mechanical rooms, you know. Oh, for sure. It's, it's one thing to get all of the... You know, the finishes, the tile and the drywall and the, you know, the, the cabinets and stuff like that. But you go peek in the mechanical room and it's a nightmare. It's like, That's right. you know, well, so not, I thought they did a really good job executing that. And, and one of the things I, what I tried to, for the more inquisitive folks, the non-industry people that came in that had some questions. I had one guy that's like, hey man, hey, 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 do you, do you know all the equipment down there? Hold on. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think so. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. inevitably a few lighting control boxes and things I don't understand the name of or what they're exactly doing. But, like, sure. yeah, I think, yeah, I know what the DHU is and the ERV, and I know what the, like, there's yeah. a water heater out there, there's yeah. a software. And, and um, but the funny part is, though, that I tried to, what I tried to explain to them was, like, you know, there's not just, like, one guy doing this whole thing, right? It's, uh, like, the important part of having that knowledge base as the architect is, like, when you have a partner like Schoberg Homes who can execute that kind of thing. They're also leaning on us partially to say, hey, wait a second. These are the consultants way ahead of time that are that are pro- trying to program this thing. They're engineering this thing. Everything has, has clearances horizontally and especially vertically. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. Like, you can look at a plan and everybody's looking, oh, there's space for this, 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 and this. But you're not looking at the vertical stuff as easily. And then the Haas people, they've Haas Technologies, who, big shout out to them, are a big partner on that one. Um, you know, they have these big lighting control systems and the and the and the, all the you know the, the kind of the electronic power plant of the house. It's got a BTU put output on it, and it's got clearances and access and ventilation and all that sort of yeah. stuff too. So it's um, you know big managing and coordinating and stacking all that is it's, it's a fun part of our job. It's kind of a dorky part of our job, but um, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so how, how early do you involve the builder in, in all that? As soon as we can. Yeah. As soon as absolutely possible. I mean, it's if I could do it right off the jump, it'd be awesome. But in all practicality reasons, the moment we get past a a stage of like one thousand percent confidence with the client about here's a solution to the problem that we think is really, really working well, yeah. and here's a beautiful three dimensional model. SketchUp, probably beautifully rendered and stuff, or at the schematic, in the bowels of schematic design at that point, right? It's like, okay, here's, here's like, the thing. It's like, all right, we don't have everything figured out. The client is, like, giving us a huge hooray on everything, but you also have to kind of know that this, this feeds back into the builder thing, but that the clients are not giving you a forensic approval. They're giving you a, like, overall a contextual visual, visual yeah. approval. Like, because... We're showing cabinets, we're showing countertops, we're showing even furniture in sure. these models. You know, it's like, I don't know what the hell that is. Right. You know, like, I, I have a vision, sort of. Yep. But to imply that I've taken a lot of time to really think about all of it, 
but not. But the builders can come in and now they can start to help contextualize these conversations, right? They can start to, you know, kind of slice and dice a little bit because they're, they, they're going to inevitably look at a any given project with a different set of eyeballs and different kind of parameters and context of this thing. And so that way we don't get too far off the leash that is, sure. you know, um, which is the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, but it allows you guys to really do the the work that you should be doing, which is actually client building. Kind of and kind of looking at the buildability of it. Buildability. Right. Well, I mean, but also the buildability of the relationship. Yeah. Um, and that's just as important as the tangible thing that you're erecting. It, it honestly is. It's like the building of the relationship, given some basic levels of compatibility with their expectations, right? It's like, if assuming you kind of get past a basic, you know, line there, it's like if any, I think any good contractor who's compatible and with the team it's going to take that and use that opportunity to to really make sure that what they're looking for what their expectations are are, are all kind of symmetrical you know yeah. and everything's kind of working and then that puts you guys in a super great position to build a team to around those people mm-hmm. you know to to start to work if there's an existing house they can start to do some you know exploratory demo or something if it's a reno um, and then you're a really, really good resource. And then that way you're kind of hauled along. The, you're there with us during design, yeah. which is really cool. And that's why Schoberg's team is so good about that stuff. Like yeah, they're always awesome. there like side by side with us. The you whole work time. with them a lot? Or I, I do. Yeah, I do. How, how do you go about uh, kind of fostering those relationships? Like how, how do you... With the you contractors? Know, with with a builder, yeah, with a contractor. I mean, mm-hmm. what what's your resource for, for getting those relationships? And Actually, I actually don't really know. It's a good one. Um some of it's organic, you know, every now and then I'll bump into somebody who, you know, is maybe has is, is built something for an architect that I regard as being a standard pusher or something like that, maybe, or somebody I look up to or somebody, mm-hmm. somebody's a competition or somebody's, you know, has built something that maybe is in a market that I'm looking to get into or yeah, yeah. I've maybe a little less experience in that particular area or even from a style standpoint, it's important. You know, you have to have some yeah, alignments too. It's like, you know, people that are, you know, for doing something that's you know, <clears throat> super, super modern, has a ton of, ton of glass, but also has a lot of beautiful masonry and like dry stack stone and everything else. It's like a lot of guys don't really have, they can do the modern thing because it's, hey, the contemporary thing that everybody's building, but this house is actually about the masonry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't just roll out every, you know, your same old crew that's been doing whatever. And then the philosophy, the timing, the, the structure, the communications. Like, I'm looking how they, how people kind of set the the goals and the structure around everything. It's You can always overstack something, right? Because not everybody's built like Dogwish or Schoberg. Um but it's like, it's, are you, are you, if you're not a, a, an outfit that's quite like that, and, it's, and that's a big machine, you got to feed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a value structure in there too. It's like these people do exist, the structure in the organization, all of it. I mean, it's all something that's built into the cake there. But um, so I'm looking for if, if that is the way that things are structured, it's like, okay, here's the value, the, the requisite value structure for that. And if there's somebody else. Who, who wants to become that perhaps or is like trying to do as much as they can are they doing the right things in the right way mm. in the attempt to uh, because it's a recognition thing right that's what mostly what it is it's like are you seeing kind of like where you could be short you know and are you attempting to be the best communicator you can be are you are you really like you that guy that's like 
oh, I've never really worked with a, like an architect. That <laughs> yeah. I've always been like building stuff that like draftsmen and stuff. It's like a bit you know, out of these pocket plans and stuff. Um, are they eager to like to try to? I don't. It's not for our approval, but it's it's like they want to kind of do right by us. Sure. You know, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that then that signals a respect to me, and it's easy to re respect and. It's yeah, they're trying. Yeah, it's a collaborative thing for sure. Yeah, right. They're they're trying to build, but um, you know, they're trying to keep your design intent in mind. You know, so I, I was actually going back to the was it Ridge Creek Modern? Oh, Ledgeway. Ledgeway Modern. Sorry, yeah. the one that was just on this year's yeah. tour. Yeah. Um, and I was walking through with my daughter, and I was kind of, I was trying to get her. You know, she's five, so she's just Aww. in her own world. And I was trying to get her. <laughs> You know, oh. hey, look at this. Like, this is a cool, mm-hmm. look at this, detail. She's like, yeah, whatever. And she would run off to whatever <laughs> room. Um, but, no, I really liked, I liked the use of steel on that one. There's a lot nice. of, like, all the countertops and some louvers, some other things. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked that. Is it just a blackened steel that y'all used? on, Or is it blued? Like, I, I couldn't really tell what the finish um, there's some black and steel inside yeah. of the interior slats, and there's yeah, some divisions yeah. that it's right there at the uh, at the hearth. It kind of turns into a little window seat, um, little moment right there. It's painted exterior. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying to blacken structural steel steel outside. Sure. If you can, good luck. <laughs> Show me how you did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a way. Uh, yeah, there probably is. Um, but no, another thing that I was I was curious about, and I was waiting to to kind of sit down with you to ask, but in the driveway, when when you walk up, there's like two doors, like two hatches. Oh, there's four actually. Four, four. Um, my guess was that it was a either the the septic or some kind of rainwater collection. What what was the what? Septic. Septic. Okay, so I was right. I just wasn't I wasn't <laughs> quite sure. I was like, man, that's a that's an interesting yeah. way to yeah build build a driveway on top of the. Uh, septic tanks we had to that, fight that for it challenge yeah we had to fight for it um and big shout out really to Schoberg and his team well tell me uh i want to know get to know you tell me about your background uh where, where you're from um you know you're a native texan right and, i am yeah. always lived here my whole life native um, nice. although i will tell anybody coming from outside of texas that if you lived in san antonio dallas houston and austin you've actually lived in like four different states yep yeah. entirely because san antonio is obviously in mexico houston i don't even know where the hell that is it's in florida <laughs> you know <laughs> dallas is in connecticut and austin's in california yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <coughs> hopefully not let's <laughs> well let's let's keep austin uh colorado <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> colorado. there you go uh, yeah you wish right yeah um, well, no, but we we bounced around a, quite a lot. But um, I've known what I wanted to do since I was a baby. Really? Since I before I even knew what architecture was. How so? Just doing very architecty shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Drawing music. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I didn't get the musical gene. Okay. Uh, I couldn't. I think I'm tone deaf too. <laughs> but I couldn't carry a tune to save my life. Even though I tried, you know, in middle school, I was last chair playing the coronet for two years, which is a nomination to the worst possible player that's ever existed. <laughs> I, I earned that title. Um, but I was an artsy guy. I was I was doing, just building tree forts and Legos and all sorts of stuff as a kid, you know. Just kind of exploring three-dimensional space. It's, it's like this weird craving. I was rearranging and stacking furniture 
It's driving my parents crazy. <laughs> um, you know, now I call it, oh, it's an abstract art exercise or some bullshit like that. But as a kid, you're just making cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're crawling on all fours. This is like, this is a place where my parents get, can't get into, but my brother and I can, you know? Yeah. <laughs> What'd your parents do? Uh, my dad was a was a sales executive for a long time. He worked for um, several kind of high-end um, jewelers and things. And then, um, like, Neiman Marcus and Tiffany's um, Hamilton for, for a short bit. Um, and then... The, kind of the back end of his career, he was at the admin staff, which is in spirit, you know. Um, and my mom was a teacher for a while. But they retired to Austin, I want to say in like maybe 2010 or so. We were already here. I was at UT. My brother came for, for to Austin as well. Um, and we were running the wheels off the car. They were. And they, after he just retired, it was like, booked it up, moved over. Yeah. It was, it was fun to be close to us. I'm very lucky I got to stay in Austin after after college because Austin was, was where I wanted to be. Yeah, it's a great city. Yeah, it was. So what, um, kind of into my next question, What's what motivates you? I mean, what's what's the point of it all? Architecture, design, construction, like, why? I mean, of all the things to, to choose to, to go into, what's the point? Um... Well, why I guess it's e- yeah. I guess it's easy to it's easy to think about. It's like it's something that it's the way you there's like an itch you have to scratch in a sense. You wanna you wanna create and you wanna change. You wanna it's it requires a type of, of vision on the world though, mm-hmm. and I think that's actually where it is. It's like there's there's got to be this like thing that's not I don't know. It's like a an itch or something or like a craving even that's like. I just want this like thing. I don't know what it is. This is like me as a kid, for mm-hmm. instance, right? It's like something I just this is not quite right. Um, and, so, and you can call it like an OCD thing if, on, on the extremes, um, but it's like you have to kind of feel that and absorb it and kind of come back to it and understand. Like, wait a second. Once you kind of get to the point where you kind of graduate to like, let me adjust this thing this way. This like, and what if? Oh, actually. You know, what if I did, you know, move this? So, like, one move might inspire another move, and all of a sudden you're thinking about, instead of, like, where the TV goes, it's like, how does the entire room shift? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, like, uh-oh, this room is wrong. And now, why is this room in this part of the house? Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, now I'm sitting here looking at this thing. It's like, actually, I've never, like, I never really realized, like, that is horrible to have a powder rim in the foyer. It's like, that's a horrible experience. It's like, why, did, why would they do that? Like, that's like one of my pet peeves, by the way. All you, all you naughty people out there are drawing powders in the foyer. <laughs> and, and, then, and then put zero sound exhaust fans on it so that you can hear a pin drop in there. Yeah, what's up with Just that? Just imagine. Welcome home. <laughs> Just like ignore it. Uncle Fred and they're unloading the chili cook-off. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh, man. He'll be out in a moment. Yeah, I need like two fans going. You know what? You know what's a pet peeve of mine? Since we're on the subject, you know, we can send people to the moon, but we can't make a toilet that doesn't get clogged up. What's up with that? (laughs) This might be a problem, just solely on me, but it's very frustrating. If you're clogging the toilet, (laughs) sir, there's a problem. Yes. All right. Enough of that. Uh, I think it's probably a cost-benefit analysis. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I need one of them commercial ones that just launches it. Anyway, let's change gears a little bit. I'm itching to hear about this A20. Oh, 
Sure. This sounds like yes. a really impressive yeah, I want to get organization that. to be a part of. Yeah, the A20 is a fun, it's a fun thing. Um, I actually kind of stumbled into it. It was, it was, it was something that was. Um, I was first introduced to it through uh, Derek and Stephanie Land, who was are former clients of mine. They we did the house for them in 2019. That was on the home store in 2019. I remember that one. And um, Schober built that one yeah, as well. Schober. That was the one where um, the pool was like yeah, 20 feet out of the ground. bathed up in the sky. <laughs> yeah. uh, tremendously that. difficult development on that project. Yeah. It, was, it was a real upside-down house at that point. That looks like yeah. the one story. Kind of yeah. your first comment about Ledgeway seeming like it was a one, like it looked like a one story. Yeah. That one actually did look like a one story. It was much more underneath. Yeah, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, they um, really fun house. and But she came back around to me at some point and um, because she got rolled up as a volunteer in the A20 Foundation, which was founded by Lisa Knapp, Lisa and Dave Knapp. Um, now, Lisa's actually somebody you should probably talk to also. You want to talk yeah. about You want to talk about a firecracker, that girl? I'd love to. She's in, she's in an, one of these one of these people that's um, kind of fighting the good fight and lives for nothing else than um, to, to help people. Um, but Stephanie was a volunteer and asked me to help out a lending hand from a design standpoint for this place called Nicole's Place. Mm-hmm. Nicole's Place was going to be the first built satellite location for what was otherwise a, a fairly unique model that the A20 Foundation had set out for, for this thing. And what they do is actually will go and rescue um, underage girls, under eight, so under 18 girls only, who have been sex trafficked in the Austin area, in the Central Texas area. And, and of course, me being the ignorant soul, I know this is an enormous problem, but I think sex trafficking immediately, I think of like, okay, Eastern European girls, um, you know, I don't know, maybe Latin America, South America, something like sure. that. It's a problem that's not really, it's, it, it happens, you know, kidnapping and stuff. You always watch, you know, documented crime documentaries and things. You think that's where it's happened, but this is actually a titanic civilizational problem Mm -hmm. and it exists in texas at a staggering um clip let's say (laughs) and i learned a lot about it um and these are sometimes people that come from otherwise wealthy homes well-to-do homes very well-educated parents loving families and some of these girls that get snatched right out of the parking lot i mean there's no there's almost no accounting for it and they may turn up they may not and they'll be lucky if they stay inside the United States. And oftentimes they'll get picked up for, for trafficking or for, you know, solicitation or something like that. And <clears throat> there are drug charges and being minors and things oftentimes and being addicted. They're very, very hard to kind of break out of the thing that they've been kind of groomed into. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was, there was something that was, you know, in hearing some stories and that's just the top level like pg version of like what some yeah, of these people have uh, gone through right yeah. and the sound of freedom does a really great job with some of this other stuff if you've seen that film yet but um yeah which one you're talking about um i'd recommend it it's it's unfortunate but i would it's a yeah very educational looks like it's it's, it's, it's very, a tough one very hard to watch I, I have not you know built up enough strength to watch that movie yet but yeah um enough. but it's nonetheless it struck a chord with me personally um when she when she offered that that opportunity to come and help Nicole's place, I you know I met very you know with Lisa um, and got to know her and she's an infectious personality and she'll I mean she'll she'll rope you in and be part of that cause so quick. 
Um, it's just a good instinct for people, I think, too. Mm. And um, but we set out to to design Nicole's place, and I took a lot of the program and things, and you know, I, I realized very very quickly that there wasn't a terribly creative or like say lateral thinking at any level of the kind of the therapy space or the recovery space. Yeah, it, there was only really two versions that I could really kind of find. One was a <laughs> ten story like stacked you know institution behind guarded walls, you know, with like that some you know gotham you know asylum or it's you know some little teepee out in the middle of you know some cult land in in the middle of utah where you're smoking marijuana all the time and you're just detoxing or whatever the hell you're doing out there which is not that's not practical either so um we had to try to create something in texas for texas girls it was run by texas people and there's all sorts of other state agencies and things. There's some licensing and some regulatory environments and things you have to comply with in order to to do the type of work you do and how you want to do it. Um, but I tried, tried tried to set out on this piece of property that, that Dave and Lisa had kind of dedicated to, to the foundation um, to do something a little different, um, to use the architecture as, as one of the seminal pieces in the cog of recovery, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a place that was intentionally remote. Yeah, intentionally very very hard to find. Um, had very little cell reception even out there because um, a lot of these girls they they would try to run away, and we also had to prevent them from calling their pimps and calling you know doing whatever else. And oftentimes, but we had to make it accessible for the police to come and drop off a girl at three o'clock in the morning. Um, so they're trying to get out of there. Sometimes they're trying to go back. Sometimes is this like that's that's the complication, right? They're brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. It's the complicated. That's that's sometimes all they've known and experienced, and some of them are extremely violent with others. Um, they're not the. It's a it's a very complex dynamic, and of course, when you're dealing with girls of different ages as well, who have some have gone through horrific stuff, and some handle that very differently than others do. Yeah. Um, and then from a, I mean, and another far far deeper into the into the, the chapter of wellness can speak to a little bit more about what, what to expect behaviorally but I came to, to work and understand enough about what they were doing and what the mission was that I found that none of the examples that I could find were really compatible or, or say a net positive towards their recovery from an architectural standpoint yeah the location I thought was good it was I'm really really happy that they found the location that they did but we set out to create these little satellite buildings I, ma- I created an um, this is all pro bono work mm-hmm. created a master plan that allowed these this thing to kind of grow organically and with a, with a system and a, and a basic level of modularity that they could kind of tack on and add on but it was kind of built up just slightly over the over the uh, over the land and it was kind of boardwalked right so we had common communal areas and, and playing playscapes. It kept it it kept it off the ground <coughs> for for some insect mud and, and snake reasons and things. But it was intentionally not too high. We didn't want to handrail it, mm. right? So you can imagine just like a boardwalk you might see in the swamp. It's like I wanted I wanted to create between these little these little there were triple wide buildings where these girls would stay and they'd have a little house mom right but we had to set those apart just enough and there's a community one and some others you know some other activity buildings but we wanted to create a pathway between these two buildings where there was enough social engagement you didn't want to have isolation but you want to maintain privacy you want to have community but you didn't want to be <laughs> you you didn't want to force the idea of community sure right yeah and so when, oftentimes when you create pathing 
you don't and without railing though you're not it's not a constrictive path mm -hmm. it's a suggestion right so you wanted to make sure that as we're developing this architecture that the environment of the of the recovery that these that these ladies were, were working so hard at to get these girls to to follow this path that it was imbued with a level of increasing liberty right you don't want to restrict liberty and keep or keep a constant form of it um, like you would in an institution or a prison or something like that. Yeah. It's like the the rules are very tight, but if you if you create the environment around those rules that doesn't feel like it's designed against them, but mm -hmm. it instead designed for them, then all of a sudden it, it, it creates a level of trust in what they're doing and then the effectiveness of the recovery techniques start to take hold a little bit better. Um, and How many girls was this place made for? Or... Um, I don't remember, but I want to say it was somewhere around 80 or 90 wow. at the max. Um, it, it's not there now. Um, and I hope it, well, in one sense, I don't hope, but like, I hope it does get to the point where they can take on that capacity. But, um, it's a dynamic thing though. Like how, how, how quickly things are moving and like where they're, where the energies are flowing and still it, it helps um, put scale to a little bit. What you're talking about yeah, eight yeah. Or 90 um, we created ladies. a, we created a master plan and there's a, there's a revolving thing here. I mean, it, it's, it's a medium stay. It's not overnight, but it's also not for six months. And if a girl turns 18, she's out. Yeah. Um, no, no men allowed, no boys allowed on any of this stuff, but it's, I felt like the vision was, it was hard to articulate, um, but I did my best. And I think once we kind of got past a couple of the, the early, the early learning curve with me about exactly like what were these people were really going through. Yeah. It's like, then, then all of a sudden, like it, it just kind of like, wait a second, we're thinking about this in the wrong way. It's like, let's, mm -hmm. let's use this, this beautiful piece of dirt. Let's use the remote location. Let's use the orientation, the trees, the wind, the sun, the grass, um, you know, From all of these things, it's standpoint, down. Yeah. It's an incredible thought process because you are using architecture in a completely different way than you would for a client who's building their dream house, and and the psychology involved mm -hmm. in your architecture for that project. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's the same principles, right? The pathology is the same. The philosophy is the same. It's human centric. Mm -hmm. And I'll always say this really to anybody. It's like you don't actually need that much technical training to be an architect. If you're a good enough predictor of human behavior, you can be a good architect. That's really what we're doing. Like I can, you know, I can show you how to draw a line on a, on a, on a page. But like learning and paying attention to people, really pay attention to them. Because um, most of the time they'll throw you off. With, they'll say something, but that's not really what they're, yeah. that's not really what it is, you know. Um, yeah, we hear that quite often. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's well, yeah. that? Um, I love watching people, especially in an environment that's that's like ninety percent right. What that, do you mean by that? Because yeah. if you if you if you put somebody in an environment that's that's grotesque, that's that's horrible. It's like well, the, you you enter it and it's just like, oh, this is man, this place fucking sucks. <laughs> there's no recovering from that, right? Like it, it, there's not a challenge anymore. You kind of have to just take the whole thing, toss it in the bin, and give them something new. It's the ones that are like average. They like it, quote unquote, but you know they don't. They just don't know how to articulate why they don't, mm -hmm. you know? And you can study, that's, that's the fun part, right? Because then you can go and say, wait a second, 
You can twist around a couple things, massage this, put that over here. Um, that's like the, the, the meaning and the glory of like when you take a renovation, for instance. Somebody who's lived in a house for a long time and they want to renovate it, and you show them something new, and they're like going, oh my God. <laughs> like, I just thank you. For, it's like a new lease on life. It's, it's really fun. It's rewarding. Um, but yeah, it's human behavior, and humans are, are a strange breed. And the girls that we did for A20, you know, it's uh, having very limited, only had really intentionally very limited um, access to, to any of them to hear firsthand. But um, so a lot of it is kind of hearing second and third hand about their needs and things. But there's all sorts of challenges that we had to accommodate. Um, so when we started to create something like a modular community, that could grow almost as they were there, you know? And I cre actually created that boardwalk system I was talking about, the circulation, it was roofed, um, but it was all made of the same boards. It was all pine boards, two by six. Everything was created like that, but you could actually slot them in and tack them in with like, it wasn't f it wasn't full mortise and tendon joiner. It's kind of hard for me to explain, but it's like you could build a separate little kit, almost like a pallet. Mm. And then two girls, three girls could even build that themselves. And then they could both carry it and kind of slot it in and like do the next one. And then you could kind of see this activity in this like this productive means to like the recovery. Mm -hmm. It was it was honest. It wasn't too stringent. You don't need to have a very high skill set to do it. You probably need somebody overlooking the overall process who does know what they're doing. But it's nonetheless a skill learning thing as well. Right. And then they can kind of see something growing. They can go home and see like, hey, look, we put two of those bays in you know, now we're almost we're almost reaching that next pad where the other building's going to be built, mm -hmm. or where the new thing is over here or whatever. Like, <clears throat> that's fun. That kind of stuff is fun. Um, I identify directly with that, but I think with, but particularly with girls who have been denied a lot of opportunity in their life and have been taken advantage of. There's you have to you have to try to coax the that empowerment, that confidence, and that that sense of self worth out somehow. Um, and creating an environment or just, I mean, this is just architecture. It's like, it's how our buildings relate to the human beings that inhabit them and create them. It's like a civilization should, and it rightly is already, should be judged on what it builds. First of all, what it can build. Um, and then ultimately what it does build. If you think about it in historic terms, ancient terms, actually, it's, I would argue it's actually the standard by which we judge all civilizations. That's true. And it kind of opens up a different kind of thought process to you. It's like, why are we, why do we build the things that we do if we had the choice, if we really had the choice? Um, it's a funny, it's a funny exercise, I think, too. But the A20 thing is, is a very grounding mechanism for me intellectually. It's orienting. Um, and it helps me, it helps me, you know, stay planted, I think. Um, even with a house like Ledgeway Modern, the, the, enormous chasm difference mm -hmm. between that that project and something like Nicole's place what we're doing is you know there's a prefabricated you know triple wise I didn't even do the buildings themselves I just did the master planning all the boardwalk um, but it took the same the same thought right sure. <laughs> it took the same effort almost um, it was still and they're, and they're somehow equally rewarding <clears throat> yeah. what does 820 stand for Austin 20 because, yeah, I was doing a little bit of reading on Austin 20, and ba basically 
Um, what like the there's just 20, 20 members, right? Was the initial uh, initially? I think it's it's grown, think it's kind of blown out apart. Like yeah, it, when it first formed, it was like uh, what, what was her name again? Lisa, L- Lisa, and like twenty uh, other members, and and that kind of became the Austin Twenty yeah. Commission. Or, yeah. um, but what goes on at at Nicole's place? Like, what's the? You said it wasn't a overnight stay, but it wasn't thirty days either. Like. So a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is actually, is actually, it's a, it's a, it's a place for, for displaced girls, right? That are, it's like the intermedium or like the, the, the stopover point between very temporary housing, like jail (laughs) to permanent housing. Right. And, but these are underage girls. So what you don't want to do is have them go into the, say the foster care system or get, get picked up because they don't have anywhere to go. They go right back to where they came from. And so this is was intended to be like that little island in the middle um, to kind of stop, catch your breath, you know, get away, detox first of all, yeah, um, but get an environment where you can meet other people having the same struggle. There are professionals around you at all times. Um, you're safe from the other entities, but you're not too too far. We haven't we're not taking these people across the across the world here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that it just p- helps position them mentally and psychologically, and this, just by virtue of time, allows the staff to find the permanent housing, yeah. and some other some other strategy, whatever these girls really need. And some some stay longer than others. Um, at least I'd be able to tell you a little bit more about the specifics of the duration of stay and like some of the terms and things, because I think there are actually some state regulated kind of things about what what does happen there. And these and these are all Texas. Girls, right? As far as that's my knowledge, to my knowledge, that's at least that's the goal, and that's what that's what is intended. I I don't think they were running out of them. Is is there uh, an attempt to reunite with with family or try to get them? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Downstream, I I honestly God hope so. Uh, You would you would think so. You think that'd be the first one, but um, yeah, but it's if if and when those people do exist and they are are craving for their child to be to return to them because mm-hmm. they were kidnapped. It's obvious. That's an obvious destination for them long term. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's the runaways and, and the domestic environment from which they came is, is the toxic relationship. Um, yeah. and it's the abusive place. And, and then where do you go? Yeah. You it's know, such a, it's, it's a, such a, a hard t- problem to solve. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a very hard problem to solve. Um, the trafficking problem can be solved. Um, Wherever there's malice, there has to be benevolence mm. and compassion and effort. And we just have to choose, you know. We just have to choose if we want to fix it and if we really want to talk about it. Um, it's sad. In the world with the Internet and phones, social media, the, where the education system is nowadays, yeah. parents working so hard <clears throat> just to afford the house that they couldn't afford in the first place, um, neglect, resentment all those things kids absorb yeah. all of it you know i mean you have a little young five-year-old right now she's watching mm. <laughs> everything and she's everything. listening you know yeah. and it's like I, I got a feeling that there's nothing else on this earth that's going to matter more than that that little girl there too so yeah a um, five-year-old and a three-year-old and a three-year-old there you go yeah. congratulations <laughs> Yeah, yeah, after after listening to your story, I think I'm gonna go home and stick a tracker inside my. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's definitely a, a topic that comes up quite frequently. Yeah. You know, with me and me and my wife, 
you know, and just staying vigilant. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, this the world is not what it used to be even when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, it just seems like you can't you can't trust people like like you used to, mm-hmm. and you know you definitely don't let your kids stray away too too far. Um, it's scary, and it really it's just something. That what you, I what I hope doesn't happen though is that we need. I think it, because I'm just like I don't know how old you are. You look a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> uh, um, but but back when I was growing up too, it's like but we we played. We ran outside. Yeah. My mom would call the, her net. Like there was because we didn't have Netflix. We're not sitting at home all the time. We're not yeah. sitting there, you know, texting. And do, like we actually went to other people. We we met and engaged our community and our neighbors. Um, that's actually what we need because no single parent can really do that. It does take yeah. a village to raise a child to Absolutely. raise children. So use the, your community. Be active. Mm-hmm. Right. Get to know the teachers. Get to know the principals. Get to know their parents. Of their of their friends and all these other people that um, have a have a role to play a very mm-hmm. big role. It's, this isn't it's not about lack of trust. It's it's just a little bit more about awareness, right? And understanding and, and trusting the relationships that you build. They they just need to be restored to their previous state, right? Um, <clears throat> naively trusting a, a, a stranger off the street is no yeah. is no dumber smarter than it ever is, than it's ever been. A hundred percent. No, you're right. Um, that's just foolish. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can remember growing up. Yeah, running, running around outside yeah. in the within the neighborhood, yeah. just being out. Parents had no mm-hmm. idea where I was, and mm-hmm. you know, climbing trees, building forts, like you like you mentioned, tree houses, yeah. and just creating and and having fun. And you know, of course, my dad would come outside and whistle real loud, and we'd come running, <laughs> yeah, running my, back home. My mom would do the same. And yeah. I wish I could whistle like that but anyway um, we'll get you an air horn uh, maybe but yeah it's just you don't see that you know you don't luckily we have two kids so they can they can yeah. play with each other and, and they're in school and, and they have school friends but you just don't yeah i don't know you don't see that community mm-hmm. as much anymore these days it's a shame um not as much you gotta go find it yeah you gotta no, agree yeah, i mean it's of course it. it exists um a hundred percent they're they're out there those neighborhoods exist and those communities yeah. do exist um but yeah it's it's definitely not accessible to everybody mm-hmm. and you have to be active you have like to be you, active. like you do you you have yeah. to go you and have be to seek a it part out. of uh-huh. it and seek it out uh-huh. you do you have to seek and it that out. and that of course all of that rolls back into what the environment and the community and the design and you know the density and the sidewalking and the porching and the parking and like the yeah. <laughs> like the walkability even the nights like you know, my my in-laws right now they live in mueller um and it's they did a good job mm-hmm. in Mueller. It's really working pretty nicely. There's some things I probably would change a little bit, but it's working really well. Mm. It's like it's. I mean, we were over there for Halloween. It's just like it's like a horde. Oh, I bet for Halloween. Of children, just just, <laughs> like it restored my faith in humanity. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. all this catastrophism about population collapse and the future generations. It's like it doesn't look like that in Mueller. <laughs> this is old school over here. <laughs> this looks like the baby boomers right here. And it was fantastic. It was everybody and it was a good mix of people too and it wasn't it's it's funny how quickly a well-designed community just changes your day to day. It's like it's like those it's the accidents. You know, if you kind of un accident your life, you don't learn anything, you don't meet anything, you don't if you order all your food from Amazon, you don't meet that per that interesting guy at the grocery store, you know, it's like 
it, that, that's tough. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. That's um, true. The color in life. The color in life. Yeah, it's a good way to think about it, right? It's like you can sit there and watch black and white TV all day and convince yourself that, you know, the world looks one way, but this is Plato's cave, by the way. This, if you really want to dive in and read about real philosophy. Uh, that's where they're chained, looking at the the like one the reflection wall, and all on the they wall. can see is shadows in front exactly. of them, and that become, the shadows become their reality kind of a thing. Exactly, and then one, uh, one, then one escapes, escapes, and comes back and is... Yeah. The guys don't believe them. Exactly. You're, you're crazy. Exactly. There's another world out there that but because But becomes, it becomes this circular thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy, of course, who was who escaped is eventually convinced that he, in fact, is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, then yeah. re- and then reverts back to the very same paradigm because he's not reinforced constantly. He doesn't and believe his sur- Yeah, eyes. and his surroundings yeah. are convincing him that the reality is X, and in fact, it's actually Y, and that he hallucinated. Uh. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a fun allegory actually to yeah. human behavior that overlaps these all you know, these ancient themes that continue from ancient times on to now. You know, this is why the, this is why religious scriptures are still relevant. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they knew all that shit long before. Mm-hmm. You and I ever got here? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, timeless. I mean, it's still applicable. Yeah, it really is. Um, and all yeah. of those things they help you, right? They help you think about your spaces, about the about this thing that we've this sheltered thing that's the, the culmination of all of this fantastic technology and energy that we've put into this shit, right? It's like the only technology that existed at when no other technology existed was the shelter thing like the the monkeys are doing it we see beavers and birds doing it mm-hmm. right like ever like all, all creatures need some form of shelter yeah and the ones that don't probably grew the shelter out of their back yeah in the form of fur or something like yeah. that right well, that's, turtle that's turtle a, but there's yeah. no there's no organism on this earth that doesn't have some form of shelter yeah um that I'm, maybe there maybe there is one i don't know <laughs> but it's, let's it's, talk about beer Let's go. Let's talk about beer. Do you, have, you, have, you have a brewing company. Do you have any? <laughs> no. no. Oh, we didn't, we, didn't mean it was, we didn't mean it to get any this time. Busy day. Yeah. You're going to butter me up like that? You can't. If well, I'm just going to care about this. We were in our, our usual spot. Oh. We, we would uh, we would definitely have some for you. But, no, I'm uh, I'll just do Dang, it. contractors need to finish that remodel. Uh, Lazarus is our a fun place. Yeah. I should get into that. I mean, that's. I'm partial owner myself. Um, kind of a funny story, Mike. <laughs> My older brother, um, my older half brother, is my dad's kid. He lives in New Braunfels. He's a he's an ordained minister. Um, he's a he's also a, a tremendous mentor for me. He on one of his, um, I guess, uh, church related um, ventures, he he met a guy, uh, this guy Christian Kreider, who's the founder of Lazarus Brewing Company, uh, but he was also a, a pastor himself. Um, he and his family they were from uh, I think they're from. Missoula, Montana, if I remember right, um, and they were gonna. But Derek met him and in, in this as part of the pastoral activities, and um, found out that oh, in fact, Christian is actually moving to to Austin, and wants to start a brewing pub because he was he knew he was always obsessed with beer. Christian was, and um, had met the guys um, at Big Sky Brewing, I think in uh, Bozeman, I think is where they are. I could be wrong about that. Um, unbelievable brewery like i love i love big sky um and he got together and did did this really fun um kind of one-off beer it was um, all saints beer um it was a beautiful bottle i still have a the original one it was one of just a few wow um 
but I was one of the first guys that he contacted on Derek's recommendation, my older brother Derek, um, to start thinking about, really thinking about a location for in the Austin market for what this thing's going to be. And I was still at my old job at this time, before I started my firm. This is right around the time I, I did split off eventually. Um, it, was a, it was a complex time to, to get oriented on something, you know, you're splitting off and when you're doing mostly residential work you're you're in during your career but i'd always wanted to be a multidisciplinary kind of studio um and th- this opportunity came up and i was just all over it yeah um <clears throat> it was also i think his his alignment with what he wanted and how he wanted to treat and think about beer was it was really old school right in the in kind of the monastic kind of approach to to brewing beer right like it's what's what the what the monks used to do back in the Black Plague, you know that kind of that kind of thing, right? Like this is this is where we break bread in a sense. Like this is we drink beer because the water sucks, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, right? This is like this is just kind of where people go, and 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 truly talk about this is like the, a real pub, right? Like a real one, say in, the, in rural Ireland or something like that. I mean that's like where you just go. Mm-hmm. You go home later, but like you just go to the pub. Mm-hmm. It's like just that's where people go, <laughs> and that's where the thing happens, right? That's that's what foments revolution. It's like you just those accidents I was talking about. Those things happen in the pub. Um, he wanted to create, but without creating a pub, he didn't want a pub. He wanted a beer place. He wanted this to be about beer and have some kind of reverence that was, I think, from from a branding and marketing standpoint, it was he wanted to invoke a lot of those themes and those characteristics and the kind of the the spirit, you know, no pun intended, that approach that they applied to their creations back then. He wanted to bring that to Austin, that kind of spirit. So, so Lazarus, being the you know the, the saint who was you know died and rose from the dead, mm-hmm. um, he was also wanting to kind of bring bring that theme, that kind of element back to the to an emerging beer market to the, to the microbrewery scene that was it was exploding at the time um, we found a we looked at oh my gosh we looked at so many properties um, and it was it was really really wonderful because as long as I lived in Austin I had never really ventured over to East Austin on that part yet and this is back in you know 2015 2016 um, and still it seems like recent but not in Austin terms it's yeah. a completely different place yeah. now. You know, yeah, that's a come lot back next happen. year, and it's completely different too. So there's still a lot of opportunity, a lot of old abandoned buildings and warehousing. It's kind of an industrial, a little bit of an industrial sector over there. Some mm-hmm. super interesting things we got to kind of crawl through. <laughs> um, but it was it was it was helpful for for him, I think, for to so I could kind of show him some ideas and opportunities to some potential. Um, we finally found a good a really really cool uh, two buildings one next to each other um then established lazarus brewing company um i rolled my rolling a bunch of my fees at the time into the equity in the business um even though i couldn't afford to so i needed the money so bad but i really loved what he was doing yeah <laughs> um and it's been it's been fun it's a, it's a fun place i i, I actually don't go often um just because it's I don't drink a ton of beer anymore these days, but yeah. um, 
It was, it was nonetheless a fun place. So what's it? it was a what's cool project. Lazarus Brewing like? I mean, what's what's the building host big events there? I mean, what, yeah, what it's it? a it's a it used to be a nonprofit called like Bike Texas. I think it was an, it was a nonprofit building if I remember right. Um, over on East Sixth Street in Chacon, the quarter of Sixth Street in Chacon. Okay. Um, there was also a little market grocery store that was right there on the corner. It was a revered place. Um, it had all sorts of really cool. This big Bob Marley like. You know, a street mural that was on yeah. the side of the building, um, but the building was a decrepit. Like it was, it should have been a condemned building. Frankly, I don't know how it was. Really, honestly, still in business. It was a fire hazard waiting to happen. Um, but that was the adjacent building right next door. Um, but we got in there and we, you know, we negotiated, or, or Christian did really um, negotiated the terms of the lease because it was about the right size. We needed, we knew we needed to add on a like a, a cold room on the side but it, there was room to do that and pretty effectively um but we we got everything in there it was took a lot of a lot of planning and a lot of a lot of coordination with all those the immense list of this the complicated um subcontractors and things and all the consultants there's a boatload of them um but we got it in there but it had some good some good opportunity i think long term so we started messing around with what it kind of gave us and we did some exploratory demo. It had this nasty, you know, this a ceiling quite, you know, like this, a drop-down acoustical tile. But it was, it had, let's say, it seen better days, yeah. right? And so we we popped one of the ceilings, and we're looking up there, going, "Oh my gosh, that's beautiful, like longleaf pine ceilings, yeah. open web floor truss, you know, or, or ceiling joists, and um, gorgeous, built in 1940. The building mm-hmm. was right, yeah." And it's not, it was an old parapeted roof building, but at some point they had put a, you know, a, a, a tin uh, gabled roof over it. Okay. Um, we're sure, like, surely we're, this is this is one spot this cool ceiling is. It's like there's going to be some horrible mold or some fire damage or something. We're going to have to rip the sale. So we started, I mean, once we got in there, we started doing all the, the finish out. We discovered that this is a gorgeous ceiling. Yeah. It's in great shape. Um, and we had a quite a, at that point, we got really excited. Yeah, about I what this imagine. thing was going to be, um, ideas start flowing. You see, you see all that. Well, I mean, it, but it was it, it allowed us financially because the, but the budgets are were, were really tight. Yeah, it allowed us to to kind of get past that. Oh, thank God! You know, it's like because there was something budgeted for the for that kind of thing. We were able to like we wanted to make sure the people who came into this building saw how we were retrofitting this thing. We were using a part of old East Austin. It wasn't demolished. It wasn't mm-hmm. building up some fancy new high-rise condo thing. We wanted it to be accepted by the community as part of the community, which, of course, it was. It was there for a long time, mm-hmm. and so was the building next door. And so connecting and, re- and refurbishing and honoring the integrity of those two buildings, um, especially how as, as identifiable placeholders in the neighborhood, um, was a really critical design factor for how we approached that. I think it, it went well. It went really, really well. It's a fun place. It really is. The beer, I want to go the, see it. The beer I, is I, great. Yeah, I've never, I've never been there, admittedly. So the, ta- the tacos are insane. <laughs> get a, get yeah, just hook yourself up. Just have a ball. It's a, it's a, lo- it's a fun place. It's, and they do, and they do a really, really great job. They take a tremendous amount of pride in, in their craft, and that's what it is. It's craft. Yeah. It's at every mm-hmm. level. It's really, really fun. I like, I like being around people. Who take pride in their work, and and they have and they share it. Yeah, it's the sharing is the sharing component of Lazarus is actually, at least Christian will probably tell you is from a marketing standpoint. It's it's something that he wanted to make sure it was continuously kind of reinforced throughout as they kind of brand tried to brand themselves. 
to the broader community. It's, um, yeah, it's just kind of sharing life is their motto. And I think if you pull up the website, sharing life is probably the the bulletin you'll find you'll run into pretty quick. It's inspiring when you yeah. work with craftsmen yeah. who care about oh, their indeed. work oh, and yeah. or, or geek out about mm-hmm. it. That's inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, but he, he also, like, you know, Christian, um, his to kind of reinforce that a little bit too, because like, I, I love, like, smoking cigars. I have a pipe also some tobacco it's, yeah. it's really fun but his his youngest son is is actually one of the best uh, pipe carvers in the united states wow. it's unbelievable stuff i mean the, the kid is the kid's a, a a savant when it comes to these these pipes um anyway it's it's kind of a, not here nor there but it's it's the, the craft thing is 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 passed down let's say yeah <laughs> that, that's always super interesting and that's kind of why we're all together i mean because we all have a, a passion you know for yeah. what it is that we do and i'd love to kind of branch out and get some of these guys on you know who are you know craft brewers or, or artists mm-hmm. you know sculptors people who make pipes you know but that that passion is there and that's what's like truly interesting mm-hmm. to me um but but anyway i mean i wanted to go back to what you said you said uh something about sharing life together and that reminded me congratulations you were you were married thank you yes yeah. <laughs> this year march. march march yeah back in awesome. march yeah. well, congrats in london in mandarin oriental in hyde park yeah london. impressive yeah. yeah he's a you're a i'm a limey a, 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 <laughs> <laughs> limey yeah i'm a limey <laughs> <laughs> so what my accent doesn't give it away <laughs> i was fooled i've been here for uh, quite a while but I, I was born over there raised over there Where, in london uh not in london southwest of london actually really close to stonehenge okay out in southwest sure out in there, there county was, uh, yeah there was a uh i'm getting to an age where not many people remember this tv show but on pbs there used to be something called all creatures great and small and that is kind of where i came from that's a perfect snapshot so is that on youtube can i go look it up probably probably is <laughs> i want to see where you grew where you were yeah it's from. old out in the middle of nowhere i mean it's 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 like out in west texas compared to austin but in the english version of uh-huh. that just out in the middle of nowhere yeah and kind of to what we were talking about you know i grew up playing with sticks and animals and outside running around and blowing stuff up not till i got a little older okay <laughs> Oh man! Well, one of my favorite hotels is out there, the Antrobus Arms. You know, it's a beautiful know place. Is, but... Yeah, right there. It's, it's, I think it's in Wiltshire County. Or, or it's right over there. Near, it's the. It's one of the close. I think it's the closest hotel to Stonehenge. Okay. Um, but I, I, I'm, I've been trying to follow on the internet if they there was some tunneling project that they were. I hope they nixed that. They're supposed know. to dig up underneath yeah, <laughs> to I bypass the Stonehenge traffic this... and stuff, but they were inevitably going to dig up half of the. Half the history of Britain under there, or so. Yeah, that'd be deep enough. Yeah, that's mm. cool stuff. Well, what do you do for fun? I know you kind of dabble in a lot of different things. What yeah, do, I do. What do you like to do for fun? Well, I'm getting my flying, my pilot license um, right cool. now, which I didn't anticipate really how long that would take for somebody who has a, a career. Five thousand um, hours? Is that right? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, the, the average is probably fifty-five to sixty-five, I think. I thought it was a lot more. Than um, that. Maybe no. for a commercial jet. Yeah, to, to get like ATP rated for a com- to to fly commercially in the in the left seat captain. Yeah, probably. That's be, not bad. Be a lot. Fifty hours. 
No. <clears throat> it's really not. But there's books. You know, there's a lot of study in ground school and stuff. And uh, That's 50 hours of just flying time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot. I know there's a lot of goes, that goes into mm -hmm. it, like you said, at ground school. And 50 uh, hours would be ahead of schedule from an average standpoint, but it's certainly it's certainly doable. People have done it. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's, but I wish I could do it more more often. Um my wife gets so nervous. <laughs> she tried, she actually started doing it with me, and it was just not. She ended up, it was just not for her. Yeah. Um, what do you like to fly? Where? What do you like to fly? What type? Oh uh, well, the craft that I was training on is a is a Piper Cherokee, a PA twenty eight one forty. Um, little, I think it was manufactured in like the early sixties. Um, but obviously it's been you know updated and maintained since then. But it's a low wing aircraft. Um. It's got a, you know, it's a, it's not turbocharged, it's not twin engine or anything like that. It's about 180 horsepower, um, so it's got a, a good enough power, but it's like a, a powerful lawnmower in the sky. You know, it's good for training. It'll get you where you want to go, but it's just not going to be all that fast. But it's a, sure. pretty safe. It's hard to stall. Out. It's a really hard plane to stall. It's, it's incredibly stable. Um, really good, sturdy aircraft, um, but not too heavy either. So it's kind of, it'll be advertised as like a, it could carry three. Or four people, but it's really a two-man aircraft. Mm. Yeah, it's got a yoke. You know, it's not side stick. It's not a joystick. Good avionics suite. No autopilot. Nice. And decent visibility, actually. You've flown anywhere yet, or are you just doing local training? <sighs> Flew out to Lajitas once. Um, you know where Lajitas is? Out in West Texas. It's right there on the Rio Grande. It's kind of one of the last little towns uh, between State and National Park of Big Bend. Okay. Um, mm. It's about an hour and a half from Marfa. <coughs> nice flight. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. Uh, the instructor and I went out there um, to s satisfy one of the cross-country components of the flying training. But um, I also have I have property out there too, and I have, we have a, a client that we're designing a home for out there as well. But but I'm a member of that golf course that's out there too. So the resort, whenever you buy property out there, you're a member of that resort. Um, so we went out there, we played some golf, and we got to stay in the, at the resort. And the and the airport out there is fantastic. It's it's made to accommodate all the private jets that come in and out of there. Sometimes yeah. it's it's really really gorgeous flight. It's because you don't get to truly appreciate aviation when you're flying commercially. You're too high. Mm -hmm. Oh you're yeah, probably, yeah, You're probably cruising at thirty anywhere <coughs> from thirty one to thirty six thousand feet. Yep. Maybe even higher. Then um, you don't get to see too much of the ground. It's but when you're down and then we were I think we were heading out there around five thousand feet. 4,500 feet. Um, and we had to we had to change our elevation, naturally, as, as the terrain climbed. But just uh, you know, so, so center wasn't going to get too hard on us about falling off a radar. But nonetheless, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, just watching the watching the earth just go from flat to, to hilly and to almost mountainous. Mm -hmm. And then the aridity, too. You just kind of get that desert feel. And you're looking at things that are just majestic. You know, and it's not, it's different than the Rockies, right? I mean, you're not flying through the Tetons here. It's, right. it's like, and you're also not flying through Appalachia. It's a, it's a different environment. It's a, it's a f fundamentally unique place to fly around to. And it's so fantastic. Um, and Big Bend, I mean, it's Big Bend. Yeah. Know? It's a Big Bend area. It's amazing. Big it's Bend's a very, gorgeous. but it's a very unique landscape. It uh, is. It's really cool to fly. Got, Especially I've when you're flying fly slow, like that a Have few you? times um, out in West Texas, and, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, the perspective, uh -huh. like you say, to be that much lower, and then you realize, holy cow, that the elevations mm -hmm. are impressive. It's, it's really cool. And you're seeing also. I mean, I, I had no idea how many people own little private airports along the way. I mean, it's a, it's it's there on all the sectional charts, but you don't really look at those areas until you're flight planning. 
and you'd go out there and these people <clears> have these magnificent ranches and paved runways and things for their own private use and um and then one time we did it in a helicopter and there was a load cloud cover so yeah pretty low oh boy I, it's changed my view of deer ever since <laughs> because there is a deer feeder every mile probably from here to el paso <laughs> i mean <laughs> you fly out that's all you see are deer feeders and deer blinds everywhere interesting yeah. that's cool have you ever been up in a small plane um a long time ago when i was a kid um i i did yeah i was able to kind of take control of it for for a little while um and then it was um i don't know maybe a minute uh i forget what it was it was some camp uh in, in oklahoma that i was that i was a part of um but that was one of the things you know they taught you how to navigate and they taught you about um you know the different air- aircraft and then they actually took you up and yeah you know, they would turn off the engine and <laughs> that's always a fun moment. A yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> uh, and I've been I've been in a glider. Um, oh, I, nice! I, I went to the uh, I went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Uh, did you really? Nice. Yeah, and uh, I, I did not graduate there, but I was there um, kind of a freshman and sophomore year. Um, but during that time, you know, I was able to go in one of the gliders, which is a really, really fun experience, especially in, mm-hmm. in Colorado Springs. I mean, you're, you're in the mountain and yeah, being, being towed That's up incredible. and, you know, they just, they release that cable and then you're on your own and it's, you know, it's very quiet. You know, all you really hear is just the rush of the wind. There's mm-hmm. no engine noise. Nope. Um, and yeah, you're just, <laughs> That's cool. you're just up there on That's your own. Peace, isn't it? It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. You've been, you can pull some, some pretty hardcore G's in those oh, I bet. And, oh, yeah. You know, they did yeah. some pretty hardcore maneuvers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it kind of really gives you a, a new respect for these these uh, jet pilots. Who, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Pull several G's mm-hmm. and just the, the physical shape that you need to be in to be able mm-hmm. to do that is quite impressive. But, yeah, that was, that's basically my experience cool. with, with smaller aircraft. That's really cool. And, um, that was fun. <laughs> I remember when we were flying out to Leeds, we, um, we had to fly through the Laughlin MOA, which is a military operations area, but it's, it's not a, it's not a, re- a restricted airspace. It's just kind of a permanently dedicated area for military training exercises. Sometimes it's a little bit more active and sometimes it's not. Um, so we were flying through there and we, you know, call, I remember we called center and see if, is the, is the MOA active right now? And the guy's like, nah, not really. <laughs> like, all right. What, is that? what does that mean? <laughs> roger, roger that. <laughs> what's not, what's not and of course, we have on our radar, and we're, and we're, and we're cruising it like, this is on, let me see, this is on the way back. This is on the way back. And so we're at a much higher altitude to get to the, because to, the winds aloft were really, really hard. So we were really booking it on the way back. But we're going through the same um, Laughlin MOA over there, which is like right at the, kind of the bottom of the panhandle area. Not the panhandle, but just on the other side of that, right along the river there. Um, and on our radar, we see this, you know, uh, he, my instructor was able to identify that the, the plane, it was a military plane just by its call signature. I wasn't quite familiar with all the designations and it was about a thousand feet directly below us coming right at us <laughs> at our 12 o'clock. And we're just like, <laughs> and there we are in this little, like, <laughs> this little Cherokee plane. We're just sitting there, it's like, this guy's coming right at us. I'm pretty sure he's seen a lot more of us than we've seen of him, right? Yeah. And we see him just pass directly underneath us. <laughs> it's like, that was kind of terrifying. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a thousand feet is, that's a 
pretty close flyby. Oh, right? yeah. Like when you're it's, in the air, like a thousand feet. Right, it's is, a, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty close, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Pre- it's pretty close. Um, well, I know you always hear on the news like, oh, a near miss. You know, two airplanes, just a near miss. And oh, like, yeah, oh, they're yeah, two thousand feet away. And, no, and you think not, like that's yeah. not thousand feet. Like a thousand feet, for instance, is pattern altitude for for sure. a GA aircraft, right? When you're untowered, or even at a towered airport, you're a thousand feet above the ground. Mm-hmm. Is when you're circling, doing your slowing down, preparing to land. You circle in there and you get landing. Um, so it's not it's not that low. Sure. It's not that big of a difference, but it, there's certainly plenty of room for negotiation. Um, I've had a couple of close calls for yeah. miscommunications and stuff that were much closer than a thousand feet. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's the people that that don't communicate are the tough ones in flying. It's like my goodness, I'd rather miscommunicate with somebody who's at least talking and hearing us than somebody who doesn't communicate at all. He just does know, what he I, wants to do. I don't know how some people are even understood on there. I've heard radio stuff oh, yeah. and thought, how in the world does anyone even know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of have an ear for it over time. You have an ear for it, um, especially with like air traffic control. They talk so fast, but yeah. yeah. Um, it's an acquired skill to listen for what you're what you're after, and you have to kind of anticipate. Always be five minutes ahead of the airplane at all times. Mm. It's a good lesson. That's a good tip. It overlaps into a lot of life, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, it's like yeah, that. Well, because it de-risks it in a sense. You, it, it goes from a a defensive, a naturally defensive and responsive exercise to one that's an anticipated, planned, calm ordinary standardized approach to how mm-hmm. you do things right and it's like that's part of being there's two there's kind of two halves of the flight training right one the first part of it the first half is like how to fly an airplane second half is how to be a pilot mm. which are two completely different things sometimes sure you know? yeah um so it was but it, it was, it's nonetheless it's a, it's an amazing thing I, I, I get to i hope i get to finish here um early 24 um i had to, I had to kind of stop we had some um, some things going on. I couldn't couldn't quite attend to it like I, I wanted to. And with the weather, uh, it's just been so unfriendly mm-hmm. to the skies. But other than that, you know, working on my house. We have rental properties, hanging out with family, doing my thing. Football season's always football season, which consumes my brain on the weekends especially. Yeah. My Longhorns are doing so well, but then they're just so frustrating and also... <laughs> Admittedly, I don't. I don't follow along with sports. It's just uh, I, I enjoy playing sports, nice. but I've, I've never been much for watching them. Um, but the the last question I had before for we sure. we kind of wrap this up, we're going into the holiday seasons, okay? And if you have uh, friends out there who are architects or builders, what would you recommend to somebody who's looking to buy a gift for an architect? Ah, oh God. <laughs> um. Time machine, alcohol, alcohol, cigar, but <laughs> yeah. really great bourbon. Yeah, something like that. A nice pillow, yeah, sound machine. Go. I don't know. <sighs> that's a that's a tough one. Of all the questions that we had, that was the hardest one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it always is. Because you, you can't turn it off. And uh, what we've done recently, we've gone to auction sites and we're looking for not ridiculous, but reasonable historical artifacts of certain natures Uh Um, because you don't really want booze and you don't want superficial stuff so the thought put into some you know historical artifact my wife's all into uh insurance that's her thing and like you she's known forever that she's in insurance which i don't know that's sick that's weird (laughs) uh and so one year i got online and i found uh it's an insurance policy from the late 1800s 
and bought it and had it framed and that sits in our house and she thinks it's one of the coolest things in the world. <laughs> and I'm oh like, it's, it's if you took your car policy out today and put it in a frame and gave it to someone yeah. in 150 years, that's what yeah. it is. It's true. A nerd. But specific to what she's into so she thinks that's great mm-hmm. so of course because you know you geek out over construction and architecture and she probably looks at it and like geez what a weirdo oh here's a framed hammer yeah <laughs> but there's not like an item there's not necessarily an item yeah. you know i think the best gifts are always like you're saying are the ones that are thoughtful they don't have to be expensive and they don't have to be kind of suggestive let's say like getting your fat friend of gym membership. Yeah, or treadmill. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like whatever, right? Hey, buddy. It's like, don't you want this new awesome shirt yeah. to replace your other shirts? <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like you give your you give your stinky friend a can of deodorant or something, you know? <laughs> or an experience. Yeah, something like that. But it's just, I mean, we're, I think as architects, you, you have to, you spend so much time thinking about other people and, and working so hard for and on on behalf of others it's it's a it's a tragedy that we don't treat ourselves better um and we don't give ourselves the the time i don't know the 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 collection phase of like i don't know there just needs to be a calm to it there's no there's no real break a time to to step back unplug you don't have to yeah i guess so worry about you know, your responsibilities as far as work. You don't have to yeah, worry. Sort of, yeah. Uh, you just focus on you, fa- your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a goal, you know, and I think if you, if you set up your life right, you can probably work towards that eventually. But, you know, like my wife, my wife's an interior designer and she has her business too and she's extremely busy and, you know, we're just trying to figure out like how, is it possible to, to not work in the whole month of January. Huh. Is that even possible? To say, sorry, we're gone for the holidays, whatever, you know, on December, whatever. Won't be back till February 1st. Mm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Yeah. If you can do it. If you can, <laughs> you can figure that out. It's like, do you have any people do you have to hire for that to, you know, to happen? I mean, it's like, and do you want to come back to, to that email load? You know, That's it's true. like. Do you want do you want all that crap? Because not everybody likes that, you know. They, they want to kick off the new year with, you know, some new activity. Yeah. Um, kick <clears> off <throat> the new year with right click, red all. Yeah. Done. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, I you know surprisingly that was actually very insightful. Um, <laughs> I, I I really liked that. That was I think a, a great place to end. Good. Um, Kyle, I I really appreciate your time. Thank you guys for um, having me. I, this was a lot of fun actually. A pleasure. Yeah, I I really great conversation. I loved every part about it. Thanks, man. I appreciate, appreciate your time. It. Thank Kyle. you. Thank All you guys. Right. Thank you. Good luck. You have a cool thing going on, man. This is fun. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this discussion. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow us on Instagram. We want to hear from you, so leave us some feedback to help us shape future episodes.